key, Sister Carmela. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as an eagle. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Oh, teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord, to wait. It's an old song. Would you sing it with us? Oh, they that wait upon, oh, shall renew their strength. Oh, they shall mount up with wings and an eagle. Oh, they shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Oh, teach. Lord, teach me, Lord, to wait. I want to wait on the Lord Jesus, oh, they that wait upon. Come on now, shall renew their strength. Oh, they shall mount up with wings as an eagle. They shall run and not have your Bibles and would turn with me to the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, that beloved physician. So happy to see all my brothers and sisters and everyone that is here today. Amen. So thankful for those of you that are watching online as we're live streaming this service on Facebook. Amen. Praise God. Luke chapter 19, the 19th chapter of the gospel according to Luke. We will begin reading from verse 1. Luke chapter 19. I have three longer or lengthy readings if you'll be patient with me, but it's very vital that we read these from the scripture. The scripture is important, isn't it? Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press. There was a lot of people there. Because he was little of stature and he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he had figured out that Jesus was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today 
I must abide in, at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. He didn't know. He never dreamed in a thousand years, so to speak, that Jesus was going to stop and look at him and say, I want to go to your house and eat today. And when, he, and when they saw it, they all murmured. There's a lot of people that did, did not like Zacchaeus. He was, he was a tax collector. He was someone who um, made a lot of interest off the people. Saying that he was gone, Jesus was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Lord, behold, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation or if I've done it unrighteously or dishonestly, I restore him four times the amount that I have taken. And Jesus said unto him, this day is salvation come to this house. For so much as he also is a son of Abraham, for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Also turn your Bible with me to the book of John's gospel. Chapter 4. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples, verse 1, than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hours, about twelve o'clock in the afternoon, noontime. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink, for this disciple, his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep, from whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, Give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou hast is not thy husband. 
And that saidest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. You can tell me my life. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye know, ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour cometh, and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the man, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. One final reading this morning. Thank you for your patience. In Acts chapter 17, we will begin reading from verse 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with man's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said. For we are also his offspring, for as much then as we are the offspring of God. We ought not to think that God, the Godhead, is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. And at the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Amen. Oh, Jesus, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for your great spirit that is here. I worship you with my heart, Lord, with my soul, with everything that's within me. I worship you, Lord. I worship you. I worship you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. I thank the Lord for his cleansing spirit and power that's here today. Amen. It's so easy for us to become infected with the attitudes of this world. It's so easy as we live our life to become touched and our response become of carnality. What we'll do and say. Amen. But I'm so grateful that I can come to the presence of God, that I can worship Him in my home or wherever I am, especially here, and feel the presence of God and it washes all those things away because we battle spirits continually and constantly. I thank the Lord for it. It wasn't in the mainstream media, but there was a great prayer that was prayed at the 
um, mall in Washington in front of the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. And uh, I thank God for every prayer that was prayed for our nation, for our people, for our country. Amen. I thank God for that. Amen. In John chapter 4, Jesus makes a very profound and revealing statement to this lady here. You see, the Jews did not go to Samaria because the Jews considered them to be themselves to be pure and the Samaritans had intermarried with various other nationalities around. Just as in Zacchaeus climbed a tree, he was a short little fellow and trying to get up to see Jesus and he was dishonored by those around. They murmured, said, you know, Jesus is going to the house of this sinner. This guy, I've done business with him. He's a dishonest, no good, no count, nothing. As you can remember in the scripture. And here Jesus is talking to this woman. Normally you did not go draw water from a well in the middle of the day in the Middle East. It's very hot. You would go early in the morning or late in the evening in the middle of the day you rested and you took things easy because if, when it's 100 and 105 degrees, you're not going and doing exerting things. And so he's sitting there. He's hot. He's tired. He's sitting on the wall of this little stone wall that surrounds the well. And he's talking to this woman who comes out to draw water, hoping no one will be there. Have you ever gone to some place? I tried to do something without anyone else seeing you because... There was guilt or you felt shame or you didn't want anyone to see you. Well, thank you for those few amens, but I've been there. Amen. And Jesus says to this woman, you worship what you know, not what we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is. And here's what I really want to talk about. When the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Here it is. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. You could be what God is looking for. That's the title of my message today. You could be what God is looking for. For the Father seeketh such. God is looking for people who would worship him. Worship Him with abandon. Worship Him freely. Worship Him radically. Amen. I want to worship Him unreservedly. I want to magnify His name here in the church. If I'm walking down on the street, if I'm at, down at Elstro Plaza, if I'm at my place of employment, I want to worship God and magnify His name and give Him all the praise. I want to worship Him. I want to worship Him. You see, she'd ask a question, do we worship here or do we worship there? And Jesus said, well, I'll tell you, salvation is of the Jews, but the hour is coming and now is. It's approaching right now that the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth because the Father is seeking people who will worship Him. I promise that if you'll start worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ in your home, not just on a scheduled service on Sunday morning or Wednesday night, but if you'll worship God 24 hours, 
hours a day, meaning when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to praise him. When I go to sleep at night, I'm going to praise him. When I worship him, on the, when I'm driving down the road to my place of employment, when I'm going to school, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to praise his name. I'm going to get a hold of Jesus because he's the one that gives me victory. Somebody shout hallelujah. You could be what God is looking for. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 7 says, and it says, With all thy getting, get understanding. One of our greatest needs is to get a spiritual perception of what's important. And I think in the world of the spirit that means no more or less than the arrangement of our priorities. We come to really learn what's important and what really counts by being exposed to light and truth. If you worship in spirit and truth, then God will search for you. You know, David said it like this. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I anticipated coming here to church this morning. I, I, you talked to my wife. I was whistling and in the house, and I'm thinking, man, we get to go to church today. We get to praise God today. We get to thank God today for what He's done. Don't you know that the Lord Jesus Christ showed up today because He said, I'm going to meet you today. I'm going to praise well, right along with you. I'm going to send my angels. They're going to walk up and down the aisle, and I'm going to be there because I'm seeking worshipers. That's why I, would, I never want to come to church without giving him honor and praise and thanksgiving. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Because Jesus said he is seeking after me if I'm a worshiper. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. If you worship him, he will be seeking after you. You know, the human race is committed to searching and seeking for answers. In the medical field, they search for better answers to health problems. and We search for happiness and success and security. So it should be strange that the scriptures tell us that God is also a seeker, a searcher. He's not just like us, just randomly looking for something. You know, I'm looking uh, for a good feeling. I'm looking for a good time. I'm just... Uh, I'm, no, no, he's, he's looking for something specifically. He has something particular in mind. And you could be what God is looking for. First Samuel chapter 13, I want to read from this portion of Scripture, 13 through 14. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But thou, now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people. Because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. No, you, as I've said here already, you could be what God is looking for. Apparently, everybody that is in his service is not. Amen. Though King Saul was in his service and had been anointed with holy oil, he turned out not to be what God was looking for. Amen. So even while Saul was still in office and God began to search for what he really wanted, he, he said, I'm looking for an individual who's after my own heart, who wants to worship me, 
who doesn't get a position in power and let it go to their head, who really wants to worship me. You see, before Saul, he was head and shoulders. He was a tall, strapping man. And, and he was humble before everyone when he first was chosen by God. And then he got puffed up in what he, the position that he had, thinking that I've got this position because of who I am, not realizing or he forgot that God is the one that placed him there. And he got to focusing his energies and his worship on his position and who he was. You know, be careful in life that you don't allow the blessings that God has given you to become the focus of your life. Blessings are peripheral and I enjoy them and I'm thankful for them. But that's not the main reason why I serve God. I serve God because of who He is and what He is. Amen. And I never want to take my eyes and focus off of Him and look at the gifts that God's given to me. I have the gift of being a pastor, a gift of pastoring this church, this great people. But that's not really what God is. He doesn't want to just be exalted because I've given him praise for the gift he's given me. Amen. I want to give him worship because of who he is. You say, well, you're a pastor. Well, that's what God has called me to do that. And I'll do it as long as he wants me to do it. But really, that's not the be all and end all. What I'm here for is to worship and to lead you in worship. You see this wonderful praise team we have, the ushers that we have, everybody that takes place in this. We organize it and we, we conduct it in a fashion so that we might better worship the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not so that we can have a position or we can who can sing better than somebody else. That's not what it's all about. We put our hands together and we work together so that we can worship God and we can show the world that we're lifting up the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, in the midst of everything, and Saul failing. It's scary to think that God can look past you. Have you ever, we've discussed this as a family. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and you, and you go up and you shake your hand? I'm going to shake my hand because I've got hand sanitizer up there. You go up there and how are you doing, man? You doing all right? You know what I'm talking about? People that shake your hand, they're talking to you, but they're not really talking to you. They're like, how you doing? You, you doing all right? You, oh, hey, 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 yeah, yeah. You know, and you have all kinds of conversations, but you're not really paying attention. You don't really care about that person. You're just politicizing. You're just shaking their hand. But, you know, that's what we do sometimes when we come to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We say, I'm here, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I wonder what so-and-so is wearing across the way. Uh, I see there, you know, and, and we're really not here to worship God. Come on, come on. Am, am I telling the truth? Am I preaching this morning? But I want to come to this place uh, wherever I am uh, and preach and magnify God because He is to be exalted. Somebody shout hallelujah. I don't want Him to look past me and say that's not what I want. He looked straight past Saul. He said, Saul, I raised you up. I gave you all that power. I, I made you king. You were nothing before I found you. Nothing. You know, when they went, to, somebody said, where's Saul at? 
Someone said, I, I don't know where he is. And some of his family members said, I don't know where. So they hunted all over and they found him. He was hiding out. He was, you know, he was back here. And I, you know, I really don't know if I want this position. I think I'll hide, you know. He's hiding. And they said, hey, 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 you know, they're, they were looking for you. And he comes out and he goes, hi, everybody. You know. But after a while, he got lifted up, you know, look at me. <clears throat> Thinking, and the Lord said, "Hey, wait a minute. You were, you know, you you were doing pretty good when you're humble, and I raised you up. But suddenly, you got to thinking that you were in the position that you're in because of your goodness, of your greatness. Amen. We have to be so very careful not to deviate and allow the worship that belongs to God to suddenly come upon ourselves." Now, I'm not here to criticize anybody, really. I'm going to say something, but I'm not criticizing any other pastor or any other church. We, we had the sign redone, and I, I didn't put my name on the church sign. And someone said, why didn't you put your name on the church sign? I said, because the church is not about me. Amen? Now, if another pastor wants to put the name, his name on, or her name on the church sign, I'm okay with it. That's just, that's, this is between me and God, amen, and the church that I, the, the Lord has allowed me to pastor. But I want this church to be focused upon the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? That's the first time I've ever said that, and I, I really don't want you to lift that up and as to something to be exalted. It's not anything to be exalted. We're here to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, whether there is a name on the building or not. We're here to praise and give Him honor and thanksgiving. Acts chapter 13, verse 22. And when they had removed Him, talking about Saul, He raised up to them... David to be their king to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found. In other words, God was searching. He was seeking. I have found. David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. Which shall fulfill my will. Is God seeking you? God may be looking for you. You, he might be, you might be the one that he's looking for. You know, the presence of God in this service is proof that God is on a quest. How many felt the presence of the Lord in this service this morning? Amen. That is, that is proof that God is on a quest. He's looking. He shows up. I've been to a lot, as I've said this before, I've been to a lot of services where the name of Jesus wasn't exalted. It was just a perfunctory service. We just went through the motions and somebody got up and made announcements and somebody else got up and told their title and somebody else did this. And I went home and I, I thought, you know, well, Lord, I didn't, you, you weren't there and nothing happened. And he said, well, nobody asked me to come and, and nobody gave me honor and worship. So I decided not to show up. So we can all show up and go through the motions of a religiosity, but it's not worship. I want to come here and magnify and worship the King of Kings. Let my focus be upon the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be on Jesus' side. We must grasp the greatness of worship. For God's seeking is tied to worshipers. It's tied to worshipers. You know, when I, when I worship, I forget about all the turmoil in the country. When I worship, I forget about all the tensions going on. 
When I worship, my heart melts and comes in alignment with him. Amen. When I worship, the problems that everybody has problems, but the problems I might have at home and the problems I might have in other places just seem to fade away. Why? Because he is the sole focus and I'm worshiping. I get into a place and an anointing takes place. There is a communion with God. Someone said, well, I invited someone to church one time, and I said, well, I, you know, church is a little boring. I said, I promise you, you come to the church that I pastor, it's not boring. And I said, if, it can happen where that if you're in the aisle walking to the restroom or walking back or somebody, you know, you might get knocked down. <laughs> I said, we get a little boisterous. Uh, and you say, why are you so boisterous? Because I'm, I'm so excited what Jesus has done for me. He delivered me. He saved me. We've got people who are alcoholics in this place. They're delivered from alcoholism. They don't have to go home and drink a beer before they go to bed and wake up and drink some harder stuff. We used to have some people that were meth addicts in this church. They don't do meth anymore. We used to have some people that smoke joints. They don't smoke joints anymore. Why? Because they're getting closer to God and they're worshiping. I show you a better way. There's something better than than marijuana. There's something better than Jim Beam or Jack Daniels or whatever whiskey that you can buy. There's something better uh, than all the the things that you can participate in. It's worshiping God. The power, that's the true source, is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the true source of power. Someone said, well, there's there's power in drugs. Oh, yes, there is. But it's not the true source. You know, I think you know of a, an actor named Robert Redford, and, and he's very famous. Someone in Hollywood asked him, he was married to the same woman for many years, and they asked him, how are you, why are you so faithful to this one woman? In other words, there are so many other beautiful women around. And I like his response. He said, why go out for a hamburger when you got steak at home? <laughs> I like that. My, my sweetheart's right over there. Amen. And she's, she's my steak. Amen. She kisses real good, too. (laughs) 32 years. Amen? Amen. Why go out for a hamburger when you got steak at home? Why do all those other things? Why, Why go down to the liquor store and get something from there when you've got the real source of power? Why? down and, and get yourself a nickel bag or dime bag or whatever it costs now. I don't really know what it costs. Uh, so you can roll a joint and smoke a little reefer when you got the real power. It's the name of the Lord Jesus. That's the real power. I don't want to mess with lesser power. That's lesser power. I got the real power. Hallelujah. I got the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Now, when Jesus told the Samaritan woman, he said, for God seeketh such. He's looking. It means he's looking for a worshiper, not just a worker. And God is not seeking just any worshiper, but he's seeking one who worships him in spirit and in truth. You know, it's in our natures to worship. Everybody worships. All people worship. Worship different things. Have you ever been to a baseball game, a football game, basketball game? Yeah, I know. I, I was, I remember I was in Chicago. I was way up in the nosebleed section. <laughs> you know, the air is so thin up there. <laughs> and uh, it was a playoff game and, and uh, it was, you know, it was kind of quiet. And then all of a sudden the crowd just burst forth. There was some rivalry, you know. We were on one side of the aisle, and the other guys on the other side, you know. And there was some rivalry, you know. The Chicago Bulls, I forget who they were playing. It doesn't matter. People were exchanging, you know, taunts. And I said, well, forget them. You know, I'm here for the team. I wanted to see Michael Jordan do some, you know, his acrobatic stunts. And he didn't disappoint. You know what? I came here today not to, not to see the other members on the team. I came to see Jesus do his stuff. And he's doing it right now in my heart. Amen. He's doing it in your heart. He's here today. He said, well, I haven't felt him yet. Well, you need to take your pulse, uh, check it out and see if you're still living. Amen. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is in this place. You know, it's, we worship and it's the reason we were created. We were created by the will of God for His pleasure and God receives pleasure from people who worship Him. You can't worship Him, though, if you don't know Him. If you don't come, ever come close to Him. We know that the word worship is, comes from that old English word, which means worth-ship. It's a blessing and magnifying of somebody's worth. We're all worshipers. What do you worship? To worship, to exalt, to adore, to enjoy, to learn about God and to serve Him humbly. Our service flows out of worship and worship flows out of revelation. You see, if you don't have a revelation of God, you'll never know what to worship. That's why Jesus said, the Father is seeking true worshipers. People worship all over the world, but if they don't have the true object of worship, they're worshiping and their worship is in vain. That's why she's asking him a question and he starts telling her about her life, not just so he can expose her, but that he can show her who he is. You know, when God starts exposing your life and opening yourself up, you up and, and showing you who you really are, you know, we all have this, this uh, we hide ourselves. When, when we, He exposes us, then He's showing us who He is. You know, and the scripture indicates to me that heaven is a place of worship because heaven understands the worth of one sitting on the throne. There's no fighting or conflict in heaven. Because everyone in heaven is speaking the same thing. 
worthy, worthy, worthy. Isaiah 6 and 3, it says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. You see, that's what they're saying. They're all in unity. There's so, so much power in unity. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard. Even Aaron's beard, they went down to the skirts of his garment as the dew upon Hermon that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. When there is unity of spirit, when there is unity of purpose, when there is unity of worship to the one true living God, there is such powerful blessing blessings, that miracles, signs, and wonders, and healings, and deliverance happens. That's why the angels had to touch Isaiah. You can't get in God's presence and say, worthy and woe is me at the same time. But when you get into an atmosphere of worship, you can't start bringing up your failures. Oh, Lord, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, No, 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 no. We're not here to tar- start saying sorry. We already know we're sorry. <laughs> Amen? There's none good. No, not one. We're all, we already know that there is a need for God's presence in our heart. I don't need to tell the Lord something that He already knows. <laughs> Amen? What he wants to hear is how great he is. And I'm going to respond accordingly. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to put myself first. You know, John said it like this. Uh, I, he must increase that I might decrease. You notice the order there. The order is that when God increases, we decrease. When we come to the Lord so many times, we get down on our knees and we start unloading on the Lord how many shortcomings and failures and faults that we have. And He knows every one of them. And I'm not saying that there shouldn't be a time in our life that we unload on God and say, God, forgive me. But you know, once you said that once, that's all you need to say it. Hello? Is anybody home? Hello. So many times, that's the only way we pray. Oh, God, you see, Lord, I've been a dirt bag. Oh, God. And we go on and on and on and on. And then we say, got that off my chest. Really? You know what? You didn't praise God at all. You didn't worship Him at all. Him at all. All you did was complain. You already told Him something that He knows already. You've told Him so many times that He just goes. He knows what you... Have you ever been someplace where people say the same thing over and over again? And you, you've been in a place where, you know, they, they mimic. And, and, you know, God could do that to us, couldn't he? He just, yeah, I know what they're going to say. Amen? Amen? Have you been there? Am I preaching to you this morning? You can't be in a place of worship. You know what the angel did to... To, uh, to uh, 
uh, Isaiah, he said, just a minute. You can't talk like that here. Because Isaiah said, woe is me. And the angel said, okay, we got that point. Stop. Let me go get a coal from off the altar. Let me go get a coal from off the altar. The Bible says he got a coal from off the altar and took it and placed it upon his lips. You know what? He was purifying his speech. Purifying instead of talking about himself all the time. So many of our prayers are just, it's me, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And, and I'm not saying you shouldn't pray that every now and again. But it shouldn't be that every time you get down, you're talking about yourself. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to, to cleanse your lips so that you give him glory. Some of you have been wondering why God won't perform miracles in your life. Why you never create a culture of faith and power and anointing. You know how that comes? By worshiping God. You know how the power and the glory of the Lord comes down is when you start worshiping and when you start praising and when you start worshiping and magnifying God, something happens. If you could get a vision about the worth of God in this place, it would be amazing to behold. It would change your character. It would change everything about you. You know, Lucifer knows about worship and he fights our worship. I, I, I taught a Bible study in here on Wednesday night, teaching our hands to war. Talking about playing musical instruments and clapping our hands and lifting up our voice and our fingers to fight. We don't, Paul said, we, we don't, our, our weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We don't have guns and knives and that's not what God has called us to do. He has called us to worship. He's called us to pray. That's how you war, war in the spirit. Amen. And so I, I, the next day I, I, I was talking to my son Jesse and I said, you know, I've been under attack this whole day. That was Thursday. I said, I taught about worship on Wednesday night. And my goodness, the, the enemy has come against me. He didn't want that. He, the enemy wants all the worship to go to him. He said, there's one creature that knows more about worship than any other creature in the universe, and his name was, was Lucifer. He was the son of the morning, the choir director in heaven. He was in charge of worship in heaven. He was the anointed cherub that covereth the throne with praise. He knows about worship, which is why he fights so, so hard when we receive greater revelation about the king. The whole worship issue is about true worship because all sin flows from non-worship or perverted worship. And all salvation is the correction of the object of worship. You see, because Lucifer worshiped God and Lucifer led in the worship of God, and, but Lucifer, Lucifer got hung up on pride. Pride happens to you when you stop looking at the original object of worship. I'm talking about Saul. Pride came into Saul's life when he stopped looking at God and started looking at himself. Pride starts happening in your life when you stop looking at God and you start looking at yourself. You can even worship your own worship. I have people complain to me and say, but Pastor, I, I don't like those particular songs. I like other songs. You know what? I, I think you're liking the way those songs make you feel. 
Okay, I've been around this all my life, so I, 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 know, the, I know the feeling too. I, there are certain songs in certain keys that my flesh likes. Man, I like to shout and dance. Yeah, yeah. Let's do the boogaloo. Man, I like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Let's run around the church, man. That, that's a good song. I'm not necessarily worshiping the Lord. I like the way the song sounds. So I'm worshiping my worship. It's possible to praise your praise because of the feeling it creates. But worship was Lucifer's job, but pride diverted his attention. All he did to create an, un, was an un, unpardonable sin was to remove the object of worship from God and place it on his, himself. God will not share his glory with another. Now I'm going to quickly tell you these little instances and perhaps you know all about them, but we're going to remind you heaven is a place of worship and Lucifer was in charge of that worship and then Lucifer changed the object of worship and when he changes the object God objects and when God objects Lucifer is ejected (laughs) so now God has lost a third of the angels and the choir director who was in charge of worship there were three archangels there was Gabriel the messenger angel Michael the warrior angel and Lucifer the worshiping angel Battle two, and then God creates the human race to worship him. And the head of this race is Adam. And Adam communes with the Lord in the cool of the day. There's worship and communion. And the issue in Genesis chapter 3 is not sin, but it's his perverted worship. Because Adam starts to worship something other than the proper object. He starts worshiping himself. You remember what the, the serpent said to him? You know, you can be as a God yourself. God's trying to hold all these things back from you. If you'll just, op- you know, you'll just eat this, you'll be as a God and you'll have knowledge like God has. The object of your worship determines the outcome of your worship. When Lucifer was cast out of heaven, he lost his status and he lost his name. He's now referred to as the devil. In order for the devil to stop the worship of God, he degrades and defames God. And he diverts Adam's worship. The birth of humanism as the worship of self as God. You see, this is what the serpent offered Adam. Now God loses the only worshiper that he has on the earth. The only thing he wanted on this planet that he wanted because Adam and Eve changed the object of worship. And when Adam changed the object of worship, he lost dominion because God had given it to man. And dominion, you're right, Brother Ham, flows out of submission. Amen. Being submitted to God. God will raise us up to sit us in heavenly places. Hosea chapter 13, verse 2. And now they, had, they sin more and more and have made unto them molten images of silver and idols according to their own understanding. Ephesians 4.18, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. God keeps searching for true worshipers. You know, you can even start out as a true worshiper, but you get out off track just as Saul did. And the next thing you know, your focus is on something else and you're on the outside looking in saying, what happened to me? I started right, but something happened. We call it backsliding. We call it getting cold in your soul. Well, the real thing is that you've diverted your worship from from the one true living God to yourself or something else. I'm here to draw ourselves back to worship the king of kings and the lord of lords he deserves our worship 
In Genesis chapter 3, verses five, 3 through 5, everything begins to turn, turn rotten because God has no worshipers. He has people who get religious. The earth is full of people who worship something. They're religious, but the correct object is missing. And they give birth to false doctrines. When the object of true worship is missing through religion may seem to increase its immorality and depravity that really increases. No matter how many times God loses a worshiper, he keeps looking for more. You know why this church is all about is getting more worshipers. I want to see more people baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, become worshipers. Amen. If someone leaves, I'm going to get another worshiper. I'm going to get somebody else to worship and praise God. We're going to worship the King of Kings. I'm going to, Enoch comes along and worshiping God, and God takes him. Noah finds grace and begins to worship. When God finds Abraham, the man was worshiping the sun, the moon, and the stars. The blessing of Judaism has been that the Lord gave them the concept of the one true living God as the object of worship. That's what Jesus meant in John chapter 4. Salvation is of the Jews, John 4, 22. Anytime you're called to be a worshiper, I'm closing now, you have to leave what's comfortable you know, it's not every morning that I get up and jump around. <laughs> Amen. I'm glad for Brother Winston getting me all stirred up this morning to come and pray. So, you know, normally you'd come in and, and things would get uh, started. You know, I've already had a cup of coffee and getting things. But br- praise God, Brother Winston had me in here praying, raising my hands, getting excited. Why? Because he was preparing me to worship the king. Amen. So you have to leave your comfort zone if you're going to be a worshiper. If you're going to be a worshiper, God's calling you out of that comfort zone. When Abram arrived in Cana, the place was filled with worshipers. But the object of worship was wrong. And you know, God is still looking for true worshipers. You might be what he's looking for. Hallelujah. Would you stand to your feet this morning? I want to worship and praise and magnify his name for the revelation that he has given to me. If you've received a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've been baptized from your sins, if you've received the infilling of the Holy Ghost, you have something to shout about. You have something to glorify the Lord for. If the Lord has delivered you, if he has restored you, if he's healed your relationships with your family, if he's set you free, if he's delivered you from the clutches of sin, you have something to be excited excited about uh, to worship him I want to worship him not for what he has done uh, but for who he is that's what I want to worship him for would you praise him would you give him worship and praise right now hallelujah this altar is open if you would come and pray would you like to kneel and pray